Attention, listener, I have an assignment for you. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to engage with the real nerds, a.k.a. the best podcast on the internet. You can listen to their episodes on their website, realnerdspodcast.com, and you can also listen to them on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and iTunes. Follow their social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This message will self-destruct never. Nerds podcast and for over 10 years we have seen a new movie and podcast our experience to the world this week we went and saw the 60th animated film by disney in canto in theaters <laughs> just kidding this is my podcast and we what? saw resident evil welcome to raccoon city <laughs> ryan i didn't get the memo i saw in canto not yep. whatever raccoon city whatever the hell that's supposed to be well, then Ryan, you wasted uh, your time. Ryan, who is the Raccoon City, the friends we made along the way? Or is it uh, just, I, I feel like I was deprived of raccoons in this movie. Can we talk about that right up at the top right now? Just you're um, right. lack I, of raccoons. I, I've played every single Resident Evil move, uh, game. I've seen all the movies. I have no idea why it's called Raccoon City. My guess is um, something got lost in translation <laughs> from... Uh, Japanese to English, mm-hmm. and they go. Eh, let's just call it Raccoon. Um, Maybe it's always, it's always been out of the games, though, right? Yeah, it's always been Raccoon City. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, well, you're right. There were no. Ra- sometimes. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say uh, I'm gonna take a star off because you're right. There's there's zero raccoons in this movie. There were actually raccoons in my movie. Uh, Tanuki's. Were, were you watching them? With, what? Were you watching the movie with the raccoons, Krim? No, there were raccoons on the screen. Oh, that's right. You didn't see Resident Evil. You saw Encanto. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Encanto, a movie we should review and fulfills its quotient of raccoons. Well, maybe not the movie, but the short before it did. Okay. But you see what I'm saying? Disney has the raccoon game on point. They're doing it in their Disney films and they're doing it in their Marvel films. I won't be surprised when I see a Star Wars film with a raccoon in it. We also talk about movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, movie news, stuff we've been watching. We talk about movies. We talk about stuff that's happening around town. And this isn't happening per se around town. But while you're in your town, you can log on to a certain website and vote for my buddy Brad's film. Brad, why don't you tell us where people can log on to and vote for your film? Uh, yeah, so Stalker got accepted into the audience choice selection, which doesn't mean it won audience choice. It just means it's in a curated list of uh, specific films from the Four Points Project this year. On Vimeo, it's, um, it's, it's a showcase. Um, and there's a link in there to vote for your three favorite films. You can't just vote for one. You can't vote for all of them. You have to pick three specifically three and um 
hopefully ours is one of them. But yeah, the, the link is a bunch of numbers. So um, I'm just going to say, go to Vimeo and search for the 2021 Four Points Film Project Audience Choice Films, and it should come up. Awesome. Is that a link that you can share on Facebook or Twitter? Yeah. If you listen to this podcast and you're uh, and you follow me on any social media platform, well, I guess not all, any, uh, just Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, yeah. The only one you won't find it on is his grinder account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I obviously don't go by myself there. I, I have an alias. So yeah, it's, it's huge long Brad. Yeah. But uh, huge yeah. Long Raphael. <laughs> turtle dong 469 (laughs) um yeah um the physical link if if you if you don't want to do the search just find me on online i'm sure i posted about it and you can find it from there hey brad is there a way i can ruin you promoting your movie by suggesting that you're on grinder (laughs) (laughs) uh i guess we alienated a bunch of homophobes i didn't Um, good, good riddance to those listeners. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Fuck them. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. And uh, you know, Corinne participated and helped out in that project. So, a bunch of thanks go her way too. Uh, thank you, along with the uh, you know not only Brad but two other very talented people in the cast and crew. So everybody did an excellent job. Yeah, our tiny four person team. This is the first time we've uh, been a part of the, uh, I guess, the final list part of the four points project um and uh it's like the the list isn't necessarily the best like they don't pick like here's the best for audience choice they do like a sampling of here's what everyone's capable of during um you know the weekend so like this is what people are working on and these are the things we wanted to share but every film is eligible for all the awards. So around December 14th, that's going to get revealed. So on the voting window is there's no specific out point. So it's, it's generally the next one or two weeks. So um, definitely find some time in there to throw us a, a vote. Uh, Brad, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to watch yours and vote for yours. And then I'm just going to pick the ones with the coolest names. Hey, yeah, no problem. You know, I, I can't make you watch them all. Um, I did watch them all today and there's some good stuff and there's some, you know, interesting stuff, you know, it's always impressive. a diplomatic if... way to say there's pieces <laughs> of shit. I would say there's pieces of shit. There's just like, you know, there's always going to be that, you know, disparity of here's a bunch of professionals from a production house making films. And there's people who use an iPhone for the weekend um, and they all deserve to be here. But you know, there's just a hurdle of technical prowess that you just can't get over. So it really comes down to what are the best stories. Um, and yeah, there's actually some that are similar ours. And, um, you know, some people are doing 3D motion captured CGI characters. So it's, um, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's an offering of what's surprisingly possible during a four day weekend for filmmaking. Cool. Zach, what are you working on? I am getting some Ballyhoo's recorded. You guys are going to be hearing some fun radio reviews coming up soon. Um, 
I am wrapping up my stint as co-host of Punk Rock Horror Podcast here soon. Uh, we will be recording our final episode for the year uh, uh, this coming week. So uh, it's been a fun ride with Mr. Undead Matt. And I'll be continuing to work on their video content moving forward. Um, and uh, the there is a new podcast series in the works between me and two of the boys from Pop Culture Brews, but uh, no firm details can be set yet other than we will be talking about a comedy giant that isn't Jack Benny. So stick around for that. Um, and uh, the last thing that I want to bring up for I'll you... i have to break away for one second. Sorry. You're fine. Yeah. You just got to go barf at the fact that I named Jack Benny on the show again. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, and then I've also got uh some fun stuff coming up this if i don't know when this will go up but if it ends up coming out before saturday on december 4th um you can come check me uh out on spurred back uh where we're going to be talking to carolyn grimes uh zuzu bailey uh from it's a wonderful life uh we're going to be interviewing her and talking about her career in film and how the film uh meant ended up meaning more to her down the line as her life went on and how she started to kind of rekindle some of her memories. So uh, if you want to check that out, you can check out my pages for more info. So not as fun as a film shot by Brad, but I try. It wasn't even the only thing I did this week. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, that was Ryan. He just totally like jumped ahead. Um, oh, okay. Gotcha. What else did you do, Brad? I'll be Ryan for, Oh, hold on. Yeah, hey, what'd you gone. do this week, Brad? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I finally finished the final music video for the Jean-Claude Van Damme Stan Van project, and Fuck that dropped yeah. today. Uh, yeah, took me, uh, God, seven, eight years now to get that one done. So, wow. was uh, there a particular reason? Uh, who goes was, there a pati- was there a particular reason why it took that long? Uh, well, first, it took a while to get the band rocket surgeons to perform the song and that happened two years ago and then once that was able to be done um you know i had to animate it which also takes a long time so i i put my nose to the grindstone and did that this weekend hell yeah and then Graham had a question. oh i was just asking whatever happened to the thing of like the parody of the joker trailer for the mayor in that movie that Ryan, not our Ryan, but other Ryan plays. Yeah, it's funny. You're, you're like the second person in the past two weeks who's asked me about that trailer. Uh, it's the footage still exists, and I'm just waiting for Ryan Carroll to want to do it. <laughs> so we have. What a, do you mean the fo- So he already he already shot the thing. He shot half of it. So oh, there's some footage of it, but all the other things that you know finish and round out the trailer, he needs to uh, show for. So okay. Whenever he feels like he wants to do that, I'm down. Although I'd rather wait for summer now. <laughs> you need to some winter it. shots. Make it gritty. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we could lure him out uh, with, I don't know, the offer something and kidnap him into being in, in your project and getting that done. Uh, you know, yeah. Maybe I can ask him. Maybe he'll do it if I ask him to do it. While you're at it, ask him if he wants to finish our Drunken Brewmaster bonus content for the Blu-ray, because sure. that needs to get done too, so I can finish that Blu-ray. Sure. Gosh, I'll just make him pretend many, he owes me a favor. How many projects you have in the works, Brad? 
Uh, I also have to finish the behind the scenes documentary of the Solve for X Blu-ray. So there's that. Uh, I have to make the Blu-ray for Spotlight. We have to do commentary tracks for a lot of those movies. Um, I guess we need to figure out a holiday themed movie to make up for our lack of a Black Friday video this year. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's it kind of the cool thing about doing those was that we did them on Black Friday and now that won't be so I'm like should we bother? I mean we can just make other videos I guess. Yeah we could just make another video. I did have an idea of me and Spencer kidnapping you to try to show you the true meaning of Christmas. But <laughs> I should play Scrooge but yeah I, I like the pig idea though like yeah, instead, uh, instead of a pig that's is trying to find a sale. God that was what sale. I was trying to remember is what our pitch was going to be and we because we had talked about it and yeah pig. Yeah. <sighs> God damn it. Maybe we can still do that somehow. I'm down to Maybe do it's it. end of the year sale. Oh. Instead of Black Friday sale. Mm. You know, since it's kind of artsy, Brad, we could address Criterion sales in that video. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, I don't know, he's, whenever you think he's about to like bust some skulls, we got to find a way to <laughs> make him cook people food or something. <laughs> Maybe he just burns a Blu-ray of some video that that he made and goes like, "This comes from the heart," and people just like, "Man, that's that's admirable." Where's my sale? Who's got my sale? <laughs> Sorry, you just got to let it go. Okay, let me cook you dinner. <laughs> <laughs> we have enough pre-prep pre-prep time, uh, Brad. We could probably call Adam Arkin and see if he'll come on board. <laughs> If you that if you got that connection, I'm not going to stop you. I mean, it's just reach out with an offer. Be like, we'll give you five peanuts and uh, um, airplane flight out here, discount airplane flight. But <laughs> I can get you an Alamo coupon. How's that sound? Sure, why not? <laughs> I've got nothing to do this Saturday. <laughs> uh, Corinne, what are you up to? Mm-hmm, not much. Just hanging out, recouping from Thanksgiving. <laughs> thanksgiving recovery right yeah mm-hmm. it was just a long weekend between thanksgiving stuff and then work and then more work and then more thanksgiving stuff so well i've got i've got something i could i i could i could announce for you corinne how about this like we've we've talked about it enough but here i'll just invite you on the show now come on to ballyhoo to talk about pride and prejudice from 1940 yay there you go now you have some exciting news to announce or exciting question mark. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Uh, I am looking forward to going home in like two weeks. Woohoo! My poor baby sister. She uh, apparently she's like trying to hold out because she's uh, like two weeks away from graduating. And then she starts her first big job out of college on like January 10th. And she's trying to hold out for her first paycheck. And she's like, I'm so low on money. And I'm like, here. Here's your birthday present. Here's Christmas. Here's your graduation present. And it's just cash. And I'm like, <laughs> go and get yourself something nice. And she's like, this will help me pay my utilities this month. And I'm like, oh, baby girl. No. no. <laughs> oh. oh, God. Tough out there. It's yeah. tough out there. It's hard out yeah. there for a West. This is, yeah. <laughs> this is a hard time of year to not have a lot of money. So, yeah, I feel you. Yep, I was just buying tickets for the fam to go see Spider-Man 
what is it? No way home. I'm gonna get them all confused now because they all sound the same. Spider-Man homework. Far from home. No way home. Whatever. Spider-Man Tom Holland three. Homeless. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Home, home, homeless. <laughs> home yes. Homewrecker. Homewrecker. <laughs> home homeboy. Home <laughs> yes, Spider-Man three. Homewrecker. Uh, out this Christmas. Spider-Man homie. Spider-Man home alone. Oh my God! Yes. That would have been amazing. Spider-Man protects himself from Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. (laughs) Spider-Man home sweet home Alabama. No, no. Please, no. That movie's fine, but no. Reese Witherspoon plays Spider-Man who has to travel back to her hometown in Alabama (laughs) before she marries a really cute dude. In favor of, was it Josh Lucas? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. And then, yeah, she's in. She's supposed to be engaged to Patrick Dempsey, but yeah, she's actually still married to Josh Lucas. She has to go back and get a divorce. Yeah, and he's like, "But I'm not going to give you that divorce." And then, yep. and then they do something with glass blowing or something. I can't remember. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it. That's that's <laughs> that's a that's an aesthetic in that movie is glass blowing, which is kind of cute. But at the same time, that's the way I only way I remember that movie and pretty much nothing else. <laughs> I feel bad. I, my sister loves that movie, but I I never watched it with her beyond the one time we watched it together. And now I'm just I I'm wondering if I should even go back because I don't want to disappoint myself by wasting my time. But maybe it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. I haven't huh. seen it in ages. Yeah, yeah. Reese Witherspoon's fun though. I I I I need to go back to Legally Blonde. I need to go back to it. Our, our Film Explosion uh, 2000 talk got me kind of excited to rewatch that. It's a really good movie. It holds up really well. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, hey, Spider-Man's here. Speaking of Spider-Man, welcome home. Finally, Doctor Strange opened a portal I could get through. (laughs) I really hoped you would come back with a Green Goblin avatar, but no, you just failed (laughs) me once again. (laughs) You're just... You're just not as excited for Defoe December as I am, Ryan. You're just focused on the one title. Wait, are you actually going to watch like every Willem Defoe movie for December, Zach? No, 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 no. Although I will try to watch a bunch. The uh, But the key to that is that we're getting Nightmare Alley, which has Willem Defoe in it. And we're getting No Way Home, which has Willem Defoe as the Green Goblin. So uh, that's that's why it's Defoe December. It's 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 what I wanted for Christmas this year, Corinne, instead of you know, like a life or <laughs> anything of substantial value. Well, if you're watching old Defoe movies, have fun watching Tales from Mercy. You know what I'm going to start with? Shadow of the Vampire. Then I'm going to follow it up with Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Then I'll watch The Lighthouse again. Then I'll watch the Spider-Man trilogy. And then maybe I'll throw in Fantastic Mr. Fox to watch him play a rat. Anyway, okay, no Studio Ghibli movies for you, I guess. I, I, hey, I will, I will do those. That's fine. That's fine. Willem Dafoe is a man of many talents. I can do other Dafoe Decembers where we vary up the programming. By the way, Alamo Drafthouse contact me for Dafoe December screening ideas. I'm totally down to help you curate that. Anyway, Ryan, what should we do next? <laughs> oh no, I know what you're on. Um, movies that are coming out. DVD releases and Blu-rays. No, yeah, we waited for you, buddy. 
Did you really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't because um, I I'm the only supervisor on right now, so I might have to leave a couple times. Excuse me. I'd like to see your supervisor, Officer Frost. And that's when you say, guess what? I am your supervisor. <laughs> um, all right. All righty, guys. Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings, coming to you for via 4K and Blu-ray. Um, we've also got an alternative package. Uh, we've got two different uh, options here. You've got the Steelbook from Best Buy, and you have this art print version, uh, courtesy of Target, that's in a digipack format. So uh, go ahead and uh, revisit your love of Shang-Chi in glorious 4K. Um, why did this reset? Dang it. I hate Blu-ray.com. I hate it. Uh, I, I use digitalbiz.com. I know. You're a smarter human being than I am, Brad. I get that. Uh, Heaven Can Wait, uh, the 1978 Warren Beatty classic, uh, is coming to you on a re-release in Blu-ray. Uh, you can also get I Dream of Genie, the complete series. Uh, among the new releases, Malignant from 2021, that quite insane but lovely campy time at the movie theaters is now available in your hands. You can also get at the 40th anniversary edition of Red's Warren Beatty's film featuring himself, Diane Keaton, and Jack Nicholson. Uh, finally getting a Blu-ray release is St. Maud, uh, the Rose Glass film from 2019 that kind of got shuffled around due to the pandemic. Uh, and from Warner Archive, we've got Party Girl featuring Robert Taylor and Sid Charisse and Lee Cobb. You can also get Howard Hughes' Jet Pilot. Featuring John Wayne and Janet Lee from 1957. Whoa, a Howard Hughes movie that deals with planes? I, I, you know, Ryan, did you know he was the aviator? He wasn't just what? an <laughs> aviator. He was the aviator. <laughs> um, did you know like also? You know, did you know, Ryan, that Howard Hawks also liked airplanes? Weird. Yeah, I know. Real weird. He made a movie called Only Angels Have Wings. It features Gene Arthur, uh, Sig Ruman, and some handsome guy that nobody remembers. Um, what? <laughs> um, speaking of classic Hollywood, you can get to Helen Back from 1955, courtesy of Kino Lorber. Uh, this is the uh, true story of Audie Murphy, starring Audie Murphy, as himself this is based on his 1949 autobiography so if you are looking for the true story of audie murphy you can't go wrong by making this choice and adding it to your collection uh we're also getting a movie called death of nintendo from 2020 does anybody here know what this is nintendo will never die (laughs) just like the goonies okay fair enough I, I thought somebody might know what this was, but anyway, coming also from Keanu Lover is Montgomery Clift and Susanna York in John Huston's Freud. Alone he fought against his own dark passions, against the taboos of an out, out, outranked world, knowing that the shocking truth could ruin his career, destroy his marriage. Freud from 1962. Very good John Huston movie. So people to check that out. Uh, and Heather Thomas in Slight Cyclone from 1987 is coming to you from, it looks like Code Red. Um, I don't know what this is. It says, Rick has developed the ultimate motorcycle, the Cyclone. It's a $5 million bike equipped with rocket launchers and laser guns. Rick meets his fate, and it is up to his girlfriend, Terry, to keep the Cyclone from falling into the wrong hands. Terry can trust no one but herself. Stay tuned for more 
details on what happens to her and her amazing adventures in Cyclone. Uh, you can also get a re-release of Baby Boom from 1987, starring Diane Keaton. Uh, and The Man in the Moon as well. Speaking of Reese Witherspoon, uh, you can get that. Not Man on the Moon, Man in the Moon. Uh, and also Downton Abbey, the complete series on Blu-ray is getting a reissue. Uh, yeah, that's Blu-rays, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, speaking of Blu-rays, what's going on with our Snake Eyes thing? I don't know. I haven't gotten them yet. <laughs> Dang. I know. So um, like, I don't want to announce the winners and then be... Like, your Blu-ray is on the way, but I haven't received them yet. But we do have five winners. Uh, I haven't even. I have people that have signed or tweeted and stuff. I haven't picked any now. Because mm. I didn't want to fuck with it because I haven't gotten them yet. And then I was like, "Is it tacky for me to say, hey, where the fuck are these free free Blu-rays you promised me?'" Hey Ryan, a little nudge we- doesn't hurt. Hey, Ryan, since we're doing Film Explosion next week, can I mention a couple of titles that are coming to Blu-ray next week so that people might be aware of those in advance? Sure. Okay, cool. Coming to you in 4K on December 7th, 2021, a day that will live in infamy, question mark? Uh, you can get Who Framed Roger Rabbit in 4K. Uh, this is coming to you in a steel book as well as a standard edition. Uh, and you can also get from Warner Archive at very long fucking last. Angels with Dirty Faces with James Cagney, Pat O'Brien, The Dead End Kids, and Humphrey Bogart. Uh, Michael Curtiz classic of the gangster genre that you can pick up. You can also, also get Elliot Gould and The Long Goodbye from 1973. And Ryan, Brad, The Karate Kid 4K Collection. Yep, that it's on the way. Set, that box set looks fucking lovely. Um, I'm just glad and- they finally put uh, the third one in high def. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that, now people can sync up your lovely commentary that you did with John Ekstrom uh, with the 4K edition of that film. Yeah, for years they had the first and second on Blu-ray as a two-pack and just completely ignored the third and fourth. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of gave up at a certain point, but not no longer. Now in a world of fandom ruling all, you can finally get Karate Kid Part 3 in 4K. Also from Screen Factory, Krampus, the naughty cut in 4K. Uh, coming to you from, like I said, Shout Factory. Uh, you can also get a reissue of Street Fighter from 1994. Yeah, Street uh, sure. Steelbook. Yeah, this is coming to you from Mill Creek. Um, is, any, is there anything related to new special features on this, Mr. Brad Hague? Uh I don't know exactly. I bet it's uh, a port of all the stuff that 88 Films probably did for it. Mm. But their special edition. I gotcha. So, but yeah, I haven't checked specifically. Right on. Also, you can get on 4K, Cry Macho, the new Clint Eastwood motion picture uh, where he looks like um, he needs a nap. Um, but you can still pick it up uh, if you should choose to watch it. And the Andy Griffith Show, the complete series, uh, coming to you from Blu-ray. And Criterion will be putting out One Night in Miami, uh, the 2020 Regina King film. Uh, so Ryan, you've got you've got a cool Sam Cooke movie that you can add to your Criterion collection. Nice. Yep. And uh, are we doing all of next week's stuff? Or no, I'm I just, thought you said I, there's the, one or two. No, that's those are the only ones. Unless you want to also count a reissue of Beavis and Butthead to America in Blu-ray. So, Brad, I know because 88 Films, as you know, across the pond, they say there's new interviews with the writer, director, actress actors and the producers 
um, new featurettes, Van Dam at Universal, and like six other ones. Nice. Yeah, I didn't pay attention because so, yeah. I've got like this will be like my third or fourth buying of this movie. So, <laughs> but the Steelbook is pretty badass. Oh yeah, the art's great. It's interesting how we the each movie have our own little. <laughs> the movie it's, it's is our... a '90s relic that I love. <laughs> It's kind of interesting that we all have like one particular title that we have like multiple copies of. So like Ryan's got all the Evil Dead movies in several forms. Brad's got Street Fighter. I've got Halloween. It's kind of I mean, if they put out more editions of Ninja Turtles, I that would probably be one to have more of. But they should have a better version of the Ninja Turtles. Just saying. Yeah, they haven't done one since uh, the 25th anniversary set. Like they've done some like, hey, we did these like Target two packs or whatever, but. It hasn't been like a good like collector's edition. And there's 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 bonus stuff that is online that you can watch on YouTube from that movie that isn't on any of the DVD releases. So 35th anniversary coming up. Let's let's make yeah. it happen. The 4K release let's, of Ninja Turtles. Let's do it. Brad, they're waiting for the 50th anniversary so that you'll be too old to care by the time that it's released. Okay. Will I even be able to see it? I'll have a glaucoma by then. <laughs> yeah that's what they're also banking on <laughs> they're banking on movie the news is what we do next it's real news hey ryan do you want another season of chucky i do actually all right the it's fucking, already been greenlit <laughs> the fucking chucky show i'm telling you is brilliant it is ah yes do, do I can I stream it anywhere or is it something I gotta put on sci-fi um, put on sci-fi? You not? can probably stream it. I think it's on. I don't know. Do you have Comcast? Uh we do. I think. So it's but, well, we, we of, don't. Yeah, we have Dish. Sorry, never mind. Well, it's part of USA and Sci-Fi. I'm guessing you can stream it somewhere. Yeah. Um, oh, here we go. In the news, it does say that the entire season will be available to stream on Peacock starting the first of December. Uh. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It deals with um, you. You have to see just to be a heads up is you have to see the last two Chucky movies. Um, it doesn't hurt to see the originals either, but the last two is it follows the canon of those. And um, yeah, it's Chucky. He's he's kind of a, like a horse whisperer to uh, impressionable youth, and he tells them to kill people, and it's it's pretty great. And um, I was watching an interview uh, with Don Mancini and he was talking about how many times they'd be getting, uh, getting away with saying fuck on network TV. It's pretty interesting. Mm. Is, is like Chucky encouraging them to like shit up their schools or like kill their abusers? No, no exactly. So the first episode you that, well, the uh, protagonist in it is this kid who's bullied. And so he's like the Chucky. Uh, so the kid is like collects dolls and he grabs the Chucky doll uh, at this garage sale. And slowly throughout the episode, Chucky starts coming to life. And then there's a point where he goes to the school's talent show as a ventriloquist. And Chucky just makes fun of everybody. And uh, lots of mayhem and murder ensues. So. Uh, is he and, and his I, own I, I said before the animatronic for Chucky and the puppeteering is incredible in this show. Is is Chucky doing his own killings or is he just yep. uh, living vicariously through other people? 
No, he is. So, uh, because once I can't get them to kill, I got to do it myself. Um, so he'll like, you know, kill, um, someone and then everyone thinks it's, you know, the kid or someone associated with him. Uh, but everyone's aware of Charles Lee Ray and, uh, one of the kids is a true crime podcaster and it's just a really fun show. I, I promise it's not, well, it's kind of silly, but it's still pretty fun. <laughs> um, it's uh, Chucky's gotten better as it's aged, which is kind of unusual to say, um, but I fucking love the show. So I'm stoked that there's a season two. Cool. Hey, speaking of Peacock, hey, Brad, can you do me a favor? Uh, maybe. No, you're doing it. You're doing it. I really want you to play the six-minute trailer for uh, the new MacGruber series. Are you sure about this, sir? No, Major, I'm not. This son of a bitch is our only hope. He's what we like to call a problem inmate. Why is that? He doesn't play well with others. He's in right you Why me? You were specifically requested. Mac, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a suicide mission. Who let the dog out? My country has invited me to die for it, and I RSVP'd yes, queen. Uncle Sam tells you to jump, and you go get your jumping shoes. Classic MacGruber. Queen? Hello, MacGruber. This isn't just any mission for me. This is personal. He murdered my mother. I'm in. Thank you, soldier. You're gonna get us all killed. Millions of people are gonna die. We're talking about a world ender here. I think it's time to call the cavalry. We are the fucking cavalry. Time to go make some widows. Dead shot! Smell you later, Vic. And I mean that with every fiber of my being. I will smell you later. MacGruber! I think it might be time for a little R&R. &R. Oh, yes, I could use some rest and relaxation. <laughs> no. The other R&R. Ramming and rimming. It's awesome. <laughs> I didn't know that was out. Yeah, I didn't oh, yeah, know dude, either. It's, so it's it's like a 60 minutes interview with him. And he's, <laughs> uh, and he's in a prison now. <laughs> and the, the guy says, hey, man, you've got charged with 38 contempt of court. And <laughs> MacGruber's like, well, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Uh and he's talking to, so he's put in prison. He's like, yeah, I was put in prison for killing one single fucking guy. <laughs> and he talks about his throat rip as being his trademark thing. And um, <laughs> they show this footage of him with Navy SEALs and ripping this guy's throat out. And it cuts back to McGruber says, where'd you get that? I've never seen this before. That's really fucking cool. <laughs> While he's in prison for killing people. It's awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's uh, it's yeah, it's like seven minutes long, and it's brilliant. 
Well, shoot. Thanks for that exclusive scoop. I'm going to watch that after we're done here. And what's even better is it comes out the same day as Spider-Man. So (laughs) (laughs) the bad thing is I'm going to have to stream it on Peacock. Is that a premium thing on Peacock or a free one? It's a free one. But have you ever tried to watch Peacock? It's the worst. I don't know about that. I think they're all pretty much the worst. But like my so I have Comcast. So Peacock is included. Uh, Hang on. I'm getting called again. (laughs) Continue with news. (laughs) All right. So we're going to turn to a little bit more of a serious piece of news. Um, as we all know, in certain form or fashion, the Netflix series Squid Game coming from South Korea uh, has been quite a hit, uh, ranging into all gamuts of pop culture. And a report coming from Radio Free Asia uh, via Variety uh, yesterday reported that a man who smuggled copies of the hit South Korean show Squid Game into North Korea Will be sentenced to it has been sentenced to death by firing squad for the crime uh, at hand. Uh, the RFA RFA learned that the series was smuggled in from China on USB flash drives, and authorities first learned of the show's presence in North Korea after catching high school students watching the program. Squid Game is an outlawed program in North Korea in violation of their Elimination of Reactionary Thought and Culture Act pla- passed in December of 2020 which prohibits the dissemination and existence of media entertainment deemed unacceptable. For the most part, this act was passed in attempts to limit the spread of media influence from capitalist countries like South Korea and the United States. That is insane. That's insane. I mean, not for North Korea. No, it's not, <laughs> not for North Korea. It's just still insane to even read it, regardless of us knowing what North Korea has done in the past with this stuff. I mean, so, they do it all the time. Like that's yeah. the status quo over there. I'm I'm surprised this is a, a news story. I mean, it's a news no. story because it has Squid Game attached to it. No, I think it's still a news story. It's still a newsworthy story so long as people are getting shot to death for the crime of spreading art around. So I know understand it's South Korea, or I understand it's North Korea, Brad. But that's still news. <laughs> I mean, um, but they also like it's that's not like a a common thing. Like they they they've been silencing people over art for years you know just like i know oh yeah you got to keep that you got to keep that knowledge alive though because it's still there like it hasn't gone away so um nevertheless um has anybody here watched squid games no. i did okay i want to see it yeah that seems like something y'all would watch and be like oh you, did you see that brutal kill when that guy shot that other guy Oh, did you see that dude get his head blown off? Oh, I loved it when they fell through the glass and they smashed on the ground. I mean, I saw anyway, Battle Royale on Hunger Games, so I don't know what yeah, it but have, you, have you seen 455 <laughs> people die, Brad? Um, in a single show? All right. Moving on. Uh, for anybody who is gearing up for the return uh, to the Matrix with the Matrix Resurrections, you now have a chance to see in select IMAX theaters across the country the original Matrix, which never released on an IMAX screen upon release in 1999. So you are now able to uh, catch it on a two-night run on Tuesday, December 7th and Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. Uh, more information can be found via those official sites. Um, well, it wasn't shot on IMAX, so no, it's you're just, just gonna... seeing an upscaled version anyway. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's still fun to watch it in that kind of big old theater, Brad. Just have fun. <laughs> no, I'm going to ruin everyone's fun. It's the holidays. Hey, hey, Brad, instead of uh, talking about Raccoon City, we're just going to talk about Free Guy again. 
And we're gonna talk about Ryan. Where are you? I'm coming. <laughs> if Ryan's not here, that means we are talking about Encanto. Y'all can well, talk about Raccoon City and what you've been watching. If that happens, Corinne, then I'll talk about House of Gucci. So there right. we go. It's just gonna be a smorgasbord episode, Brad. Yeah. Uh, Aim anyhow. it accordingly. Do what um, you want, but at the end of the day, I'm editing this thing, and I get to decide what happens. So <laughs> just end it right here. Yeah, <laughs> might be a half hour show. You'll you'll make like a spot announcement at the end, like, ladies and gentlemen, due to my incredible lack of boredom, this episode is ending right now. <laughs> the only way you get caught up on these things is to start making cuts. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, uh, we will end with the last piece of news here. Um, we got a big death. Uh, Stephen Sondheim passed away at the age of 91. Uh, I think we're all familiar with at least one piece of Stephen Sondheim's work, whether it's West Side Story, uh, Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Sweeney Todd, Merrily We Roll Along, Into the Woods. Um, Man Was a Giant. Won a total of nine Tony Awards, uh, an Academy Award for uh, his work on the song that won an Oscar for Dick Tracy, uh, and eight Grammy Awards, a Pulitzer Prize, Lawrence Olivier Award, the 25, 2015 Presidential Medal of Freedom. Um, man was a giant. Um, uh, and I know that people don't, I know that, I know there are bigger fans of Broadway out there that have more eloquent things to say on it, but, you know, there have been adaptations of his, of his work in several respects. Like we're getting another iteration of West Side Story, where, which he did the lyrics for. Who was the other person we were talking about earlier this year who like died just as like their new movie came out? Melvin Van Peebles? No, but, no, his Criterion Collection came out. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. And then there's like someone else earlier earlier in the year, but just like, it's weird that this, that keeps happening. I, I know. It's kind of weird. Like, I mean, too like, frequently. To, to be fair, though, Sondheim probably didn't have any, uh, as far as I know, didn't have any direct actual involvement in the making of this new iteration of West Side Story. But... Maybe, maybe his estate doesn't get as many residuals if he dies before the movie comes out. I don't know. <laughs> Brad, don't go down this dark road, please. There's a whole world of people that are sad over his loss, Dude, including me. I was on Facebook and I was in this group, and they said that there might be a thing with what is it, Universal? I don't. Who's doing West Side Story? Um, uh, 20th Century Studios. I don't, I don't remember. Know. I just know Spielberg's directing. The gentleman was um, an absolute giant. He changed the landscape of American musicals. Um, and uh, he would encourage uh, Oscar Hammerstein the second and encouraged him to write on his own. And consequently, Sondheim uh, did the same for people such as Jonathan Larson of Rent and Tick, Tick, Boom fame um, and the groundbreaking Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, so, you know, Sondheim, you know, passed along the legacy that he had. Um, and uh, I mean, for me, it's, it's not even West Side Story. It's Sweeney Todd. the 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 whole the cast recordings of that, the even the iter, even the iteration that Tim Burton did, which I know not everybody loves, but um, and I've heard the, the yeah, and I've heard the cast album since for Into the Woods after finally watching the movie version, and I still love the music. I think the music's great. Um, funny way, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. It's remarkable. Um, Corinne, do you have any Stephen Sondheim particular favorites? You know, I was looking over his uh, list of works, and other than West Side Story and Sweeney Todd, I really am not familiar with any of his stuff. 
I never mm. saw the Into the Woods movie. So I think I saw like the junior version or something one time that like a cousin or somebody was in, but I mean, I don't really remember it. So <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, he is a legend in the industry and I know that, you know, he will be missed a lot by that community and by the fans. Yeah. And the reason I bring it up is I am fully aware that this is a, a movie uh, centric show. However, musicals are a very integral part of the cinematic landscape and, you know, quite frankly, to not have Sondheim uh, acknowledged at that point would be in, uh, it would be disrespectful. Um, you know, like I mean, and there are there are things about his work that I've gathered that just remind me about it. It faces reality in a very I don't want to say entertaining way, but in a way that I don't know. Just it, it just gives you a it just gives you a sense of able to comprehend what's going on. Um, and I, again, like it's, it sounds just, it sounds disingenuous because you really should have like a, a, a true broad, Broadway, uh, expert here, uh, to talk about it. But there are a lot of cinematic influences that are, are still seminal classics and he had a huge hand in those. So, um, so big bucket of win for him. He will be missed. And that is news. I wouldn't be surprised if. I think they probably haven't just enough time that they could, you know, add like a little, you know, for Steven or whatever at the end of the new West Side Story. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. How do we know it's not just for Steven Spielberg? Well, you know, you know Spielberg likes to thank himself in his movies, right? What, wait, in what world? <laughs> <laughs> just imagine someone doesn't know Steven Sondheim died and they do put that at the end. They're just like, wow, the director thanked himself. Wow. I'm sure they would clarify Stephen Sondheim. Maybe even have like a little photo or something of him. I don't know. <laughs> He's so funny. I mean, and, um, and, and by the way, I haven't seen this movie, but I want to now because there's a bunch of people attached to this. But Sondheim did co-write with Anthony Perkins a movie called The Last of Sheila, directed by Herbert Sunshine Boys Ross. With Richard Benjamin, James Coburn, James Mason, Raquel Welch, and Ian McShane. And this was from 1973. And Ryan Johnson has said apparently that this is a big influence on Knives Out. So I've got some homework to do. Yeah. And James Mason's in it. Yeah. I'm looking more into this now. He co wrote 11 episodes of the television version of Topper, which is based on the 1937 film that features Cary Grant. So, yeah, that's. Shoot, man. That's a hell of a fucking legacy. Anyway, sorry, guys. We can move on if you want. Let's go ahead and do that then. Yeah. What are you guys Every- been watching? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Corinne, what have you been watching? Oh, I finished up my uh, X-Men the Animated Series watch. I just kind of skipped around in seasons two and three. Uh, Mostly I was watching it for the Phoenix Saga because they have, supposedly it's the only version of X-Men that's ever done the Phoenix Saga, right? I don't know. I didn't read the comics, but oh man, it's no wonder nobody's done this right other than the Animated Series because it's convoluted as hell. You have five episodes that just deal with the first part of the Phoenix Saga, and then you have four more episodes that deal with the second half. 
the dark phoenix and all that so what what, what if, apart from how it affects gene gray is there any other particular reason why the dark phoenix saga is so fucking beloved <laughs> like i just feel I, like there's got to be more x-men stories than just this one <laughs> i don't know man it's and, and at least it, i don't know about in the comics but in the tv show you know she's dead for all of five seconds before the phoenix spirit pops up and is like oh well you know we can bring her back to life but you each have to give up some of your own life force and they're like cool beans let's do it and then yeah. she's fine two seconds later so at, at what was the, the X- whole point at least the x-men the last stand had the uh good graces to keep her down in the water for a little bit and then show an origin story with uh Pat- patrick stewart and ian mckellen walking to young Jean gray's house <laughs> which there is a bit in the dark phoenix saga where she does go back to her childhood home but magneto is not there well magneto that... has nothing to do with the whole phoenix saga but i should i should have everything to do with it yeah the whole thing about like the inner circle and the shiar and the star jammers and the ken and the crystal alamac or whatever the hell it's called Oh my gosh, it's so convoluted, you guys. <laughs> anyway, I don't necessarily recommend it, <laughs> but y'all do what you want to do. I guess you've never uh, actually read an X-Men comic. Nope. <laughs> They're always convoluted. <laughs> See, that's why I love X-Men Evolution. It's like, it kind of just streamlined things. It kept, it kept it simple, but emotional, you know? Anyway, you weren't here last week when I was going on and on about X-Men Evolution, Wolverine and the X-Men or whatever. But yeah, so I finished up my whole X-Men Wyatt, whatever I was doing with that. So um, uh, Yashihime has been on this little like arc where they've separated the three main characters and they're each on the separate storyline and they're kind of in the middle of that arc right now as far as I understand. Like we're going to get at least two more episodes of everybody kind of doing their individual thing and it's been really great for character development so really enjoying that and then I saw Eternals again with my friend Brett he hadn't seen it yet and he liked it and I I so you know I liked it again I have cracked the code everybody I figured out one of the reasons why I like Eternals so much and that is because it is basically an anime hmm Okay. <laughs> and you know what, Zach? It's actually kind kind of similar to Fruits Basket, but in explaining how, I would have to ruin Fruits Basket, so I will let you discover that on your own. No, I am enjoying Fruits Basket as the journey goes along, no matter how it comes out, even if it is as frustrating as a Game of Thrones finale where the whole internet no, explodes not. in a constant series of whining. Um. No, it's not. <laughs> No, the end of Fruits Basket's actually pretty good. Oh, good. I'm excited. Or at least the the newer one. The old one is a little weird because, like I said, they just kind of had to wrap it up and be like, wait, what about the rest of it? Nope, never mind. I guess we don't get any resolution. Okay. <coughs> yeah, so I've been led to believe. So, um, and then right before we started recording tonight, I saw that Masters of the Universe Revolution Part 2 is out. So I watched the first two episodes of that. It's like another five episode little, not mini series, but just like another five episode arc or whatever that they released. And I guess it's the conclusion of the storyline that they've started 
earlier this year. Was it the summer, I think? So at the end of part one, you know, this crazy stuff happens. And so now part two, we're going to undo all the crazy stuff, I guess. I don't know. I'm halfway through it. But it's pretty good so far. We've had three major characters. Well, at least one major character and two side characters die. So <laughs> pretty crazy. If anybody's interested, Masters of the Universe Revelation is on Netflix. Animation's great. And the voice acting is phenomenal. Mark Hamill, he's gotten a lot of screen time so far in season two or part two or whatever this is. Someday when so, I have Netflix again. Yep. I recommend it. I don't I have you seen He-Man stuff, Brad? Someday when I have Netflix again. No, I mean like when you were a kid, did you ever watch He-Man or Masters of the Universe or whatever? I didn't. Um Yeah. I didn't. You might enjoy it more because then you don't have like emotional ties to the property and you're fine with this kind of new direction that they're taking everything in. When I did have Netflix, I watched the the 80s cartoon on netflix like you know binge watched a bunch of episodes um and it's it's the product (laughs) (laughs) it's designed to sell toys it's designed to sell toys yep yeah this Uh, literally has a lot more like every episode yep yep this is definitely more like you know they take this premise and they turn it on its head and they give everybody, you know, character development and growth and just kind of put them outside their comfort zone and things like that. So at least as far as I understand, because like I said, I haven't seen any He-Man or Masters of the Universe stuff before Revelation came out earlier this year. So anyway, yeah, they got another, uh, it's they on got another Netflix. He-Man kids show that they have toys for, too. So there's like two concurrent He-Man shows going on. Right. This seems like it's not so much for kids. It seems a little edgier. It seems more like it's for adults who grew up watching the show initially. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's the vibe I get. Anyway, that's all I've been watching. We should probably hit Ryan next in case he has to go again. I know. I just, uh, we've been dealing with this one person in town and then, um, yeah, other crap. I literally just keep on getting texts from the chief. Yeah, sorry, I keep calling him bomb threats. Yeah, you knew. How'd you know? <laughs> I'm calling him in. <laughs> it's like it's like you you do know. Um, did, did, so I I watched did, the the Beatles documentary Get Back. Oh fuck! Disney how was it? Plus, uh, it's really good. It's it's eight and a half hours. So Yay! I'm ready for that. Uh, but it's really fascinating watching them go through their creative process and even more fascinating. Um, this is really the last time they recorded anything together and you can see the friction and the fracting uh, fractures in the band. Um, I mean, there's, there's jealousy and um, I, it's really interesting. It's it kind of pulled the curtain back and it gives you, a really kind of fun way to explore these really important people in music. But I, I mean, I really enjoyed uh, their creative process and doing it as well. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty great. Um, I mean, I think you have to be kind of a fan of their music and their place in music history, but 
it's it's nice too that disney allowed uh well the beatles told them they had to keep in the cussing and yeah. uh, the adult themes so you, it's not edited at all do you know uh, that you know that the oh, mo- most of that footage is from um the documentary for let it be um uh which was the there was a version of this story basically told in the 70s and this is the one that's basically unloading most if not all the footage yeah they have a uh a tag at the beginning that they went through 150 hours of uh video and audio mm-hmm. stuff to um you know yeah i have uh, yeah. still never seen the documentary that they did that that they initially did but i've i've i was alluded to that when i saw the trailer for the first time so i'm like i've been excited to find 8 hours to just kick back and watch this in a whole sitting yes yeah, so uh i mean basically they just remove the veneer and the shine Mm. And it's really showing them. And you can tell as you watch it that there's no way they're going to stay together because they're just totally going in different ways. And between all their outside influences and I don't know, when you watch it, it feels like they've, the Beatles have reached as far as they're going to go, which I disagree with, but uh, they're the band is just way too fractured and there's way too many people pulling them and way too many different egos going on, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's really fascinating. Um, There's no narration. Um, It's just the Beatles talking with uh, the people in their inner circle and um, them getting together to record, let it be, which actually would become two albums. Um, And it's uh, yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. Um, I, I think, I think everybody should watch it if you're interested in music or even if you like documentaries, I think it's not a bad way to spend <laughs> eight hours. I mean, obviously I didn't watch them all at once. I'd watch like hour chunks at a time. Well, um, I also do love long movies made by New Zealand filmmakers. So true. Me in. True. Um, I watched uh, Dracula dead and loving it, which Hell um, yeah, you did. It's I have a soft spot for it because the kid in me, um, it's not that great of a movie but um mm. i still enjoy moments of it and i still think it's one of the most faithful adaptations of dracula mm-hmm. and uh, i mean you throw in mel brooks silliness in it but it follows the beats of the the book pretty closely and it's incredibly uh, faithful to the todd browning version too i know it's i know it's obviously being released amid a uh, a Francis Ford Coppola world, but it's very, very much trying to hit on Todd Browning's version. Yeah. Uh, I, I know some people bemoan Leslie Nielsen as Dracula. I think he's fun. Benfield, um, you asshole! <laughs> you know, uh, him tripping and falling on, you know, bat shit. <laughs> it's silly. Um, and the, the, I mean, probably the best scene is when Renfield is eating bugs with Dr. Seward, <laughs> uh, just, uh, just how aghast he is when he's eating it. And he's like, you just ate that grasshopper. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> um, Similar to you, Ryan, uh, with your joke about great expectations. And I think it's hot starts part two. Um, yep. uh, my favorite one is when they're going through Seward's library and he goes, have you got no Sferatu? And he finally goes, yes, we have no Sferatu. We have no Sferatu today. <laughs> that's just a dumb joke that nobody's gonna get know. unless you know it's, it's news. stupid but it, it works um i mean people hate this movie i think it's fun yeah they're um, wrong ryan they're fucking yeah. wrong <laughs> just enjoy it 
just yeah. enjoy that. No, it's not going to be as good as Young Frankenstein or Blazing Saddles or History of the World. Just enjoy it. That's all yeah. I can say. Agreed. And the last thing I watched is um, the wonderful. Well, actually, I watched two things, but I'll just go really quick. I rewatched Hot, Sat- Hot Saturday is one of Cary Grant's early, early movies. Um, but he's great in it. Um, and Nancy Carroll's in it. Uh, it was just put on Blu-ray. And I text Zach, it's really cool seeing a really old movie like that. It gets mm. better because the sound quality is so much better and the image quality is better. Mm. Um, and it, this young girl is a subject of an awful rumor because Cary Grant is this playboy and she stays the night at his house one Saturday. What? And so everyone thinks... Yeah, I think she slept with him. And it actually has kind of a sad story about um, how small towns and how people start rumors and people believe what they say. Mm-hmm. And one is that Cary Grant's Romer is this playboy who like beds a lot of women when he's actually not that at all. He's actually a really nice guy. And that this young woman in it is treated as kind of a floozy or a slut. And she's not that way at all. She just has this reputation. And uh, Randolph Scott, Cary Grant's buddies in it as well. Um, and it's, it's good. And I, I, the, the commentary on it's great. It's not some guy reading an essay. So that's primo. Uh, Kano Lober has a lot of stuffy English dudes reading um, <laughs> essays when they do commentary. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, check, check out Hot, Satur- Hot Saturday. It's a oldie but goodie. And the last thing I watched was uh, the lovely Carol Lombard in Hands Across the Table, which is uh, from 1935, I believe. And it's kind of a precursor to her breakout screwball comedy stuff. Hmm. In it, she plays a manicurist who sees uh, that movie uh, actor, fella, Ralph, Ralph Bellamy. Um, and <laughs> thank, thank you, you Zach. That's a His Girl Friday <laughs> joke. <laughs> um, uh, he plays a man in a wheelchair who's smitten with her and she meets Fred McMurray's dude who is supposedly wealthy and her whole goal as a manicurist is to meet a husband. I know it's the 1930s. Okay. Relax, Corinne. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, so yeah, it's just a cute movie. There's lots of silly setups in it. Um, one uh like the big thing is fred mcmurray's character misses his boat to jamaica so he has to pretend he's in jamaica for his fiance but he's staying at carol lombard's apartment and she doesn't like him too much will they fall in love will she accept ralph bellamy's hand in marriage oh you'll have to watch hands across the table to find out um by, by the way, great... Ryan, you're you're becoming a bigger deep diver into Carol Lombard than I ever was. Like, I I need to catch up with you. I yeah, I'm I'm like super excited how much she's captivating you. No, I, I'm actually thinking I'm going to watch all her movies. Some of her stuff's kind of hard to find though, but I can um, help you. I can help you track down. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hand. Like, I mean, they cause... do have. I think in two months they're going to have uh, another Kino Lorber called White Woman with her and. Uh, Charles Lawton's coming out. So yeah, which was we all know with Lawton and Lombard, it was the prequel to White Chicks in, in, in the 2000s. Exactly. Now, so, <laughs> um, yeah, no, no that, I, I'm smitten with her. I, I just love everything she does. I think she's an incredible actress, and um, I just have fun. Yeah, no, you know, dude, you're kicking it. I love it. And that's what I watched this week. I don't know who else has to go. 
you there, Mir Zach. Brad. Nice. Uh, yeah, I watched Hawkeye. That came out. Oh yeah, I watched that too. <laughs> you, should, oh, you also heard talk about Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, Ghostbusters was fun. All right, uh, perfect. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> cool <waste> analyst. <laughs> yeah, I won't waste more time. It's it's a fun nostalgia trip, and I cried in a Ghostbusters movie, which I never thought I would do. Such a wuss. All right, uh, I know. <laughs> but you don't understand. She couldn't stop Olivia Wilde, and I was, <laughs> and then she got help from her spoilers ghost, and I was like, "Oh, I'm not seriously shedding a tear, am I? Fuck." <laughs> And I do love uh, all her dad jokes in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I love Paul Rudd's I'm a summer school teacher and I'm going to show him shitty horror VHS from the 80s. <laughs> I did love but hearing yes, the cry of was a, going, ah! <laughs> it's a fun movie and it's okay to just have a, a really fun movie. It's definitely the second best Ghostbusters movie. Cool. Yeah. So I watched Hawkeye, uh, those two episodes, and I guess there's six. So. Are you a third of the way through? And it's fun. Um, should be interesting to see where this goes. I also watched the South Park COVID special, and that was fun. And I'm excited to see these future mini movies that they're probably going to build up to. Uh, Lower Deck Season 2, Star Trek. Um, I wish I could talk about, but it's such an inside joke show for people who have Star Trek that it's just going to be lost on you guys. <laughs> Um, and then I watched a documentary about Julia Child, and I barely knew anything about her, and now I know a lot about her. So that's uh, what I watched. Did you ever see that movie, Julia and Julia? I didn't, but I kept thinking about it the whole time. And maybe you have to watch that now and see if it's like at all accurate. Yeah, I'll, I'll compare it if I get around to it. Okay, report back, Brad. Yeah. Yeah, interesting lady very influential yeah she has a display at the smithsonian um the cool part of that documentary is like they had old footage of her pbs show and then they would insert shots of like 4k hd food <laughs> porn so you're just like you're watching this grainy black and white and then they cut to you know breaking these up they show like a modern day of like what she's cooking in high res and you're just like oh my god i just want to eat right now so yeah, kind of like watched. watching Man versus Food. Like, definitely don't watch it on an empty stomach. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I watched this week, Zach. <coughs> All right. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I only watched two movies this week. Uh, first of all, um, at Film Club, we watched The Postman Always Rings Twice, which I had never seen before. And Ryan, have you ever seen this one? Ryan? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, my kid's talking to me. What, what'd you ask me, Zach? I, I, I said, have you ever seen The Postman Always Rings Twice? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'd never seen it before. I fucking loved it. Oh, um, that's a great movie. Yeah, no. Uh, just It was one of those things that just flew over my radar for whatever reason, but nevertheless, I enjoyed it. Um, they, you know, I hate movies like that that are like classics, and I, I feel ashamed that I've never seen them. And then when I, I watch them, I'm like, man, this movie's great. Yeah, and but, I'm embarrassed to admit I haven't seen it. <laughs> but, well, Ryan, I actually had th- I've had this talk with people in the film club. Like, it doesn't matter when you get to those things; you get to them when you're supposed to get to them, and then you just enjoy the shit out of it. 
Um, and like you're, you're, it's it's more like welcome to the club and not worrying about when you saw what. Um, it's a it's a solid noir film. Um, the the source material comes from the same person who created Double Indemnity, and it, it and Double Indemnity match up in so many ways with its plots and its themes. Um, the key with this one, I think, is that this is MGM doing a noir, and <clears throat> there are elements of it that I must admit I found a little bit uh, hard to swallow in the regard of like you know lana turner's hair is always perfectly coiffed it never like no star in mgm is allowed to look like a mess um and somebody alluded to the fact that the score is just so over the top and i agree like it is very punctuating uh in a kind of a grading way but the rest of the movie cancels all of that out um it's it's just incredible um if you've never seen the postman always rings twice it's essential noir i'm I'm so glad i finally got around to this uh, that film club has been really good for me exposing myself to noir in a better way. So, um, and then the other, other thing I saw was on Thanksgiving. Um, I went to go see house of Gucci, um, with my pal Malia and, uh, the, um, I wish I had seen the last duel to compare and contrast the two Ridley Scott releases this year. Cause I get the feeling oh, you didn't the, last- see the last duel because you're one of those punk millennials who uses a cell phone. No, no. Yeah, look for me up from your screen once in a while, Zach. No, yeah, no, Ridley. I mean... Ridley, you're putting your foot in your mouth, and you created two very popular franchises. So I don't want to hear, or at least one very popular franchise. So I don't want to hear about you bitching about comic book movies either, because you 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 didn't help by contributing to pop fan culture. So if you have anybody to blame, it's you. Um, I'm Ridley Scott, and people should just see my movies because I'm Ridley Scott. You should just see Alien and nothing else but Alien. <laughs> uh, and maybe Blade Runner. Maybe Have you seen his Blade last two Alien movies? I'm not sure he likes Alien. No, no, no. But he wants to. He wanted to try to continue Prometheus. Um, but, um, so, but yeah, I'll see The Last Duel eventually to um, compare and contrast, which I hear it's great. Uh, House of Gucci, though, um, uh, I liked it a lot. However... The caveat that I have for House of Gucci is, is that it is incredibly campy. And I don't know how I feel about it because I'm not emaciated with the world of Gucci culture or whatever it whatever the fashion world entails. I guess if I'm looking at it from an objective standpoint, the whole idea of the fashion industry and the name that Gucci carries, um, that campiness is called for. Um Oddly enough, if we've if we're talking about the Jared Leto performances that have come out within the last decade, apart from Dallas Buyers Club, this might be my favorite thing he's done um, because he's not he is he's hamming it up. And the makeup is incredibly interesting. It's actually very good, but it's not it's not the most perfect thing. I, it's, let's just say it's not J. Edgar level, um, but uh his performance is interesting because he's very much playing a very like sad sack human being. Um, so it is kind of cool to watch him try to do that. Um, I think Al Pacino's great in the movie. Um, he restrains himself for the most part. He only does one outburst scene and that's it. Um, uh, and uh, as for, as for our big leads, Adam driver's fantastic in it. Um, as is lady Gaga. Um I think this is easily Lady Gaga's best performance on screen between this and A Star is Born. Um, I like A Star is Born, but she's really good in this. 
Um, overall, though, I do feel like it the campy tones at times and some of the shifting structure make it a little bit wavery. But I do recommend it if you're in the mood for an interesting crime piece that you probably weren't aware of. Um, I was expecting kind of a gangster movie from the trailer. And what I got was a little bit more or less an expose on these well-to-do fashion, fashion empire, uh, empire wielding rich people. And that was kind of fascinating to look at, but I guess in a world where, you know, the, the lifestyles of the rich and famous means absolutely nothing to me anymore. Uh, like much of their problems seem very uh, petty and uh, disconcerting, but um, nevertheless, if you're looking for an interesting little flick um, from arguably one of the greatest directors to come out of the last 50 years, then yeah, go watch House of Gucci. It's a lot of fun. And that's all I watched this week. Cool. This week on Real Nerds, we journeyed to 1998 in a simpler time when horror was the name of the game. This week we saw Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. Brad, should people see or would you recommend Resident Evil? Uh, like I said earlier, there's no raccoons in the movie, so minus one star instantaneously. <laughs> um, go watch Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, no, I was actually... It's weird. Um, when I first started watching the movie, I was like, oh, cool, this is just another you know, low-budget Silent Hill, like every throwaway... Um, like 90s video game adaptation movie. And then there's parts where it's like, God, this actually is kind of scary. Um, like more scary than some other big budget scary movies I've watched lately. So it's it's got this weird middle ground of like the dialogue's garbage, but it's very faithful to the video games. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a mixed bag. Uh, this is, I'm not crazy. This is like the first three Resident Evil games in one movie, right? The first two. Okay. Three had nothing to do with it. Uh, no, a three uh, is Jill trying to escape Raccoon City and she's chased by the nemesis. Okay. So yeah, it's just one and two. Yeah. yeah I only ever played one, the one remake and four on the Wii. So. Mm. So yeah, I should play number two. Number two, the remake for number two is incredible. Yeah, I started zero too. So is there is there any zero in this? No. Okay. But yeah, it's just wow. They they didn't just reboot the first movie. They decided to do a lot of the early '90s Resident Evil in there. So yeah, I, I think if you're a Resident Evil fan, you might be happy that they did a direct translation of the game somehow. But also, if, if you're just like person who goes to see movies for a plot and interesting characters, you'll be really disappointed. <laughs> Zach? Um, so, I have a question, Ryan. Um, are the... Because I still haven't watched the other Resident Evil movies apart from that first one with Mila Jovovich. Are those ones more fun than this one? Um, I mean, depends. <laughs> I don't know what your definition of fun is. I mean, like, um, I, I don't know. Is it like... It's not black and white, so immediately he hates it. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> I don't um, know. This, this I will movie... say this. They're a lot more action-heavy. Mm-hmm. A lot more uh, Matrix-foo is what I call it. 
Okay. Oh, uh, waifu, you mean that's the yeah, the original uh terminology uh, for it. You mean waifu? Waifu I thought it was waifu, but uh it's like the matrix foo, um, where there's lots of slow motion shots. Uh the last the f- final chapter, whatever the fuck the last one's called, um, lots of cuts, like cut, 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 cut. The editing's really quick, lots of heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're fun. I still have fun watching them. Um, but no, they're not the same kind of movies at all. <laughs> okay. So then that 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 makes me excited to watch those a little bit more. Not because I don't want a horror property such as this, but um, I got to tell you, this movie takes itself so fucking seriously that it grated on my nerves a little bit. Um, I know nothing of the Resident Evil games. Um, I, I, they look, they sound like fun to play, but uh, the 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 story within Umbrella Corporation and thusly this uh, th- this very generic plot set around set around a, a pharmaceutical corporate evil giant. Um, the only parts of this movie that I enjoyed were flat out just the horror elements, like everything else just really fell flat for me. Um, I think it, I think there are fun moments. I think there's really innovative looking horror film stuff going on in here, especially moments that remind me of clips of the game that I've seen, but nothing to really like wow me over. So, um, yeah, I think if you're a fan of this franchise, you're going to love it. Um, and that's really cool. I just couldn't really get into it. I, if we're talking about video game movies that crossed the border with me, Mortal Kombat was way more accessible by comparison and a lot more entertaining. But again, I'm sure fans of this will enjoy it and I hope they have a lot of fun with it. So, um, As someone who's played every single iteration of this game, uh, even on PlayStation 1 when the first one came out and then I got really excited when the director's cut was coming out because they would show blood and gore see back in the early days of playstation one and brad and i are the only ones old enough to remember this i remember uh, they what used, they are <laughs> they used to uh do full motion videos and the first resident evil had really horrible acting and really bad um full motion video live action um but for the director's cut uh, i mean for the original game they cut a lot of it out their director's cut they were supposed to put it all back in and then they forgot to so um so i played resident evil multiple times um i still think the gamecube remake of resident evil is one of the best remakes um and i could say this is extremely faithful to the original games with a lot of tweaks to the story um to make it so i didn't know beat for beat what was going to happen um but to answer your question, Zach, the games do deal with the pharmaceutical giant that is Umbrella that does experiments on people. And um, so that's really faithful to the games. Uh, this movie uh, is Resident Evil 1 and 2, which they both take place on the same day. And uh, it's basically the fall of Raccoon City. Yeah. And this movie did a pretty good job of balancing the two game stories. They left a lot out. And Brad's right. Some of the dialogue and situations are silly, mm-hmm. but I also think that if you're a fan, I totally recommend this. And uh, I'll, I'm done explaining. I'll explain why after we play the trailer. Come on. Every story has a beginning. 
discover the origin of evil. Why are you back here, Claire? Your conspiracies weren't true when we were kids. They're not true now. We need to expose Umbrella. Watch this. I'm afraid, Claire. I'm afraid of what they're gonna do to this town. You see, Umbrella, they have an incident. I'm talking Chernobyl, if you know what I mean. People are getting sick. You gotta help us, Claire. Let the world know what's really going on. So yeah, we kind of touched on it at the beginning. Um, Umbrella is corporation is headquartered in Raccoon City, which is somewhere in the northwest of the United States. Um, in the film, they're slowly poisoning the residents there that caused them to turn into zombies. And it just so happens that Claire and Chris Redfield are orphans, and Claire's a runaway, and Chris is like the superstar teacher's pet guy who becomes part of stars which is uh basically like a SWAT team in Raccoon City and the city starts to fall and they have till 6 a.m to get out um and that's the premise of the movie um and yeah so it's really interesting it uh this movie is a really big fan service to fans of the game um, it does a pretty good job of the two games merging. Um, Resident Evil 1 takes place, and the video game takes place at the mansion. Resident Evil 2 is Claire and Leon meeting in, in the police station and escaping it. So, I mean, this movie does both those parts. Um, the orphanage is in the games. <laughs> the underground passages are in the games. Um the part where Wesker sits down on the piano and plays that song to open the door. That's an actual puzzle in the game with the actual music from the game. Um, so people like me, I, I think it's really fun uh, to see that. Um, and uh, Brad's right. I think this movie is actually kind of scary at points. Uh, mm-hmm. They do the great job. Uh, I, I was reading some reviews and I know people were complaining about it being too dark. 
but I actually thought that lent itself to the style of the game where is especially the later ones where you have a flashlight and you're going through dark corridors. Um, oh, the flashing, the sequence where um, the gun's going off and the light's going off every so often. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that shit was fucking wonderful to see. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, the, the games are so campy. Uh, the first one there's, I, I'll never forget. I always have, there's a couple lines that I'll never forget. One is, I can't remember who's telling Jill this. I can't remember if it's Wesker or Barry. And he says, Jill, you, the master of unlocking things, will take this. And she gets a lock pick. They kind of give that to Claire in this. And uh, there's blood on the floor. I hope it's not Chris's blood. (laughs) And uh, it's so bad. But in the game, uh, it's in the GameCube one, Brad. I'm sure you remember your first encounter with the zombie where he's... um, eating that dude on the floor floor. yeah and uh, the movie does a great job of just recreating that with a zombie turning its head um i was hoping that someone was going to get hurt at some point they'd like go into a room and find like a red herb and a green herb oh that would have been sweet (laughs) (laughs) to try to figure out how to mix it um but you know what i did like too about that moment is they took out that one zombie and then they split up and then all hell broke loose with all the zombies uh I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, surprised uh, with like even knowing that there's like zombies in the room and it's it's dark and everything, there, it still felt tense for some reason. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also like it's a game I've played, like I know how it's gonna go, and I'm so like I'm sitting there going like this is actually still kind of chilling. Like how are they doing this? Yeah, well, the director of this, I, I directed a really underrated horror sequel, um, Strangers Pray at Night, yeah. at night. Um, and I think this movie does a great job of building the tension because it's not really super horrific at the beginning. Um, it kind of lets it breathe a little bit to get you into the world. Um, mm, and yeah, then it really, they, they tease you a little bit with uh, when Claire's at the home by herself and that little boy busts in and she's asking him if he needs help. And he says, no, you do. And they play with you uh, moving the camera. I think it's three or four times before the zombie breaks through. Um, yeah, like really a lot of the best parts cool. of the movie, there's no one talking. It's just oh yeah, slow yeah, no. camera moves and just quiet tension. Yeah, yeah. And I, like I said, I'm pleasantly surprised because uh, I mentioned earlier that you, and Zach asked me about the Mila Hovavich ones. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of them just because I think they're goofy fun and they're way more convoluted than these. This movie could ever hope to be but are they self-serious um, that would that was more my my my, my um, i don't know if they take that. themselves seriously um I, I think the third one's probably the best one mm-hmm. um the fourth i can't remember if it's a, this is how bad it no it's the fifth one where it's literally just like set piece after set piece um i mean the the whole premise is she is running through this underground area that has downtown tokyo downtown new york it's really stupid right um, this one i think built tension really well um it i felt claustrophobic too brad I, I don't know if you felt that too when he was like all the zombies and stuff yeah and, and he f- felt like hopeless even though you know chris redfield's probably gonna make it but i felt I actually felt that he might not <laughs> yeah we're just getting chased down by uh, uh i forget the scientist's name but 
who gets like transformed by the G virus or something. Uh, that'd be William Birkin. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't remember him from the games. Cause I don't think he's in the first one. Right. Cause he's not part of the mansion uh, he stuff is in the second one. He's the, uh, so he's the big boss in the second one. It's kind of the same thing. He uh, injects himself with the um, G virus after he's shot. And then the train sequence is f- the end of the second game as well. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, there were some moments there where I was like, you know, how much bigger is this guy going to grow and how is Chris going to get out of this? And like, also, why is he not just run, like, why is he hiding behind the wall? Just keep running, dude. <laughs> like <laughs> the G virus doesn't give him super speed yet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny that this game, this movie plays so much to fans of the games. Um, in Resident Evil two, when you fight William Birkin, he follows you throughout the whole game. And every time you kill him, you're like, oh, finally. And then you'll see him, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes later, and he's bigger and meaner and tougher to beat. Um, that reminds me, uh, his daughter, strangely calm for someone who just lost both their parents. Yeah, she's a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and this one too, they did make Wesker out as big as a douchebag as he in the, is in the games. Um, yeah, I was, I was thrown off by that because I was like, man, like this guy from Umbrella Academy, <laughs> he's like, yeah. Wester just seems like a misunderstood dude. Whereas in the, yep. the other movies, he's, he's like behind everything. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And in the games, he's like the big bad, you know? Yeah. Um, even though he's a pawn for Umbrella, you know, he's the guy who he's basically their henchman and he's always everywhere, whether it's Resident Evil 5 or pretty much any Resident Evil game that deals with Umbrella, he's pretty much shows up in. Yeah, it's thrown uh, off because yeah, I, I came to the Resident Evil franchise when the GameCube rebooted it. And um, yeah, I'd already heard from for years about Wesker being the bad guy. So when I started the game, I was just like, he's one of our buds? Yeah. <laughs> what happens? <laughs> how, does, how does he turn bad, you know? Yeah, and I mean, the the movie follows it pretty closely. I, I think the biggest deviation is kind of Claire's backstory and Leon uh, and Chris's. Um, and then Leon isn't such a big, as big as a wuss as he is in this movie or as incompetent, I guess. That's um, weird. Cause he was strangely incompetent. And then by the end, he's really competent. <laughs> like he can shoot a rocket launcher, but he can get yeah. easily disarmed into jail. Like, <laughs> But, you know, I love that scene, too, with a zombie where he ate that one dude and he was walking out of the cell and the blood and like flesh was pouring out of his mouth. Like, that's a pretty intense, gory scene. Yeah. Also, uh, is that like deformed girl in the orphanage part of the Resident Evil 2? Uh, no, no. Is that made it for the movie? Yeah. I mean, I think her character design is really cool. I don't know why she has a leather face head but looks yeah. cool and apparently she's been hanging out there for like 20 years yeah supervised somehow i don't yep. know where she eats <laughs> uh bugs and fucking the liquors that she killed i don't know um yeah mm. but yeah no, it was really fun I-, I was impressed i i didn't know what to think of it especially since there was really no marketing behind the movie or anything. Um, I, I, I was way more impressed with this than any other Resident Evil movie. Yeah, I wish it actually came out like around Halloween because it like would have been a legit good movie to see 
like get some scares out of. Yeah, I agree. Because yeah, if you just take the the, the bad dialogue and like rushed, I, like I also kind of wish this movie was just the first game because I think yeah. putting both games in a one movie just takes all the like reduces the tension. Like if it was just the mansion stuff and it was that scary for like ninety minutes, <laughs> like imagine how much greater the movie would have been. Yeah, I think I know why they did. I think it's because Claire is such a popular character in the series. I get it. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, I, maybe they're hedging their bets, even though there is a mid credit scene that teases a sequel. Um, I mean, I don't know if they're going to make one. So Yeah, I doubt it. But I guess they would yeah. do three and four together. Yeah, maybe. Or well, zero because no, they already Wong. left Raccoon City, so guess you really wouldn't need to do that one ada wong's like this second character in zero right yeah well she uh she's really heavily featured in leon's story and resident evil 2 um so they're kind of saving her i guess she shows back up she's kind of a double agent um working to get umbrella secrets and she's a fan favorite too i'm surprised that um I mean, I guess I know why she's not in this movie because it already combined the two games pretty heavily. Um, but yeah, it's it's way faithful to the game, and so it deserves better than just being dumped on Thanksgiving and no publicity at all. Yeah, like blows the other ones out of the water as far as like honoring the existing games for sure. Yep. Corinne, anything to say about Resident Evil? Nope, it sounds like I got the better end of the deal because I actually saw a really good movie. Well, yeah. I mean, look, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, rain on the parade. Like, I mean, even if it wasn't my cup of tea, like, there were fun moments in the movie. So. Yeah, like I said, I think it <clears> shot <throat> really well. I think yeah. uh, Jonas Roberts is a really good horror director i still haven't seen 47 meters down but that stranger's prey at night was way better than i thought it would be oh yeah that that movie is great yeah i think that movie is pretty terrifying too for what it is um but yeah no i i hope they make another one and have fun with it yeah yeah Um, Ian Glenn. so what are we doing next next week week, ryan we are doing Film Explosion 2011. For real um, this time. For real, where we will revisit our very first Film Explosion movies. Um, my unit list changed quite a bit. Um, Brad, has yours list changed quite a bit? Yeah, I'd say about half of it. Yeah, it's interesting. As you go through and you get older, it's not that I don't like the movies I liked previously. Um, it's just... I don't know if my taste changed because, you know, Army of Darkness is still my favorite movie of all time. Um, it's just, I think I appreciate some movies more now. Um, and two, it's always hard because I use Letterbox to compile my list. The Letterbox does movies on when they're supposed to come out or when they were made. So some of the movies that are on Letterbox aren't actually released in 2011. Um, stuff like You're Next and Cabin in the Woods. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fun and I can't wait to do it. And we'll get to hear three new lists for the first time. That's right. Yep. So thanks for listening, everybody. Till next week. 
Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.